This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. We're here with Megan Neese, Senior Manager of uh, the Nissan Future Lab, to talk about the future of transportation. Welcome, Megan. Hi. Nice to be here. Great. So, so first of all, uh, tell us what is the N- Nissan Future Lab? What are, what are its goals? Um, we are a cross-functional team, and our goals are really preparing for a future that's more electrified, autonomous, and connected. So figuring out different business models, different experiments, different future consumer needs that we need to be addressing and readying the company for. And so this is, is, is this owned by Nissan or is it a joint venture with another uh, It's actually firm? very recently moved from a part of Nissan Motor Limited to um, the Nissan Renault Alliance. So now we work for the Nissan brand, the Renault brand, the Infiniti brand, the Datsun brand, basically all of the different brands in the Nissan Alliance, Renault Alliance portfolio. Um, so it's project by project and company by company as far as the impact of whatever we're studying and who it's for. So what is your role at the Future Lab? So I'm a senior manager, which means that I run projects or I'm a product owner of specific projects that we're interested in. So. Um, you know, if we're looking at something in the shared mobility space or something in a new service space, then I will kind of run that project with a team of internal constituents and external partners um, and build a business case that we then take to our executives and decide whether or not we should pursue that and spin that off into a company or, you know, buy something related to that type of service or, you know, figure out that maybe that's not the right fit for our business. So I'm kind of a project-by-project looking across the future of the industry, what types of things we should be studying. So what projects are you working on right now? So the project that I'm going to talk with the Mac Institute about um, is about micromobility. So we've been looking for a while about the future of cities and how the shape and way that we live in cities is changing. So we believe that, you know, as we maybe live differently or move differently that we might need different types of products. So we've been studying products that aren't as large as typical cars for a little while now, and we have an experiment up um, in the city of San Francisco as a partnership with Scoot Networks where we've brought in a new mobility concept that's a tandem two-by-two seated four-wheel vehicle that's larger than a moped, smaller than a car, and it's trying to understand that space of, you know, do, do people in... Um, cities that are kind of moving differently need a different type of product for that behavior. Okay. And so these are meant for travel just within the city, or it also can take the freeway? So in the U.S., it can only um, be 25 miles an hour speed limited, um, just because of the type of product it is categorically. It's a neighborhood electric vehicle. Um, So in other countries, um, this vehicle can can go on the freeway. But in the U.S., it's really intended to be looked at in the system of a city. So in a place like San Francisco where, you know, you may want to be able to bike home, but it's very hilly, you know, having a motorized transportation that's, you know, safer and larger than a bike, maybe more weather-resistant, but smaller than a car where you have to deal with parking and a lot of the kind of logistics traffic um, could be an interesting alternative. So that's really what we're studying here. So how does this mobility concept fit in with Nissan's overall business goals? So that's 
I mean, that right there is the nature of what Future Lab does. I mean, so what we're always trying to figure out is um, what are the different opportunities that we could tackle as an automotive manufacturer um, and and which types of opportunities make sense for our business. So in the Scoot Networks example, you know, we're able to study the business case of a new type of service. We're able to study the business case of a new type of partnership where we would be providing products to a different service provider. Um, We're able to look at a new type of product altogether that, you know, currently we don't offer in the U.S. market. So there's a number of different things that we're studying with just this one example or experiment um, but what we take back to our executives is exactly that. We'll look at, you know, what are the different um, things we've learned for our business and, and what does this mean that we should be preparing for? Should we start building services like this or um, start even little things like in order to get that vehicle to work with Scoot software, we had to build an API so that the software can actually speak to the vehicle and know where the vehicle is. So that type of, you know, software hardware integration is something that, you know, maybe in the future we should plan for in more vehicles that we would want to integrate into systems. So it's little learnings like that that can help inform new product development and product planning um, for the future, you know, across the different regions and brands that is really what we're after. Can you tell me more about your driverless car initiatives? Um, Yeah, just that we have a autonomous vehicle group in the Silicon Valley, so part of um, Nissan Research Institute. Um, there is a group uh, named, uh, the leader of that group is Martin Searhouse, um, and he has been working for a long time on autonomous vehicles. I'm sure if you Google him, you can see some of the experiments um, that we have up and running in that space. Um, and even just like some things, like we did a YouTube video um, from Nissan Technical Center where you clap your hands and you know, chairs can self-park themselves under a conference desk, a conference table desk. Um, so little experiments in um, how autonomous comes to life um, from, from a technical standpoint. From Future Lab's perspective, we're much more interested in that from a consumer point of view. So we're trying to understand how will autonomous affect um, people's everyday lives. So does it change how you get groceries or when you get groceries? Maybe your deliveries only come at night. You know, maybe there's a, a totally different need for the type of vehicle that you would drive versus the type of vehicle that would be autonomous or both or some combination. Um, So what we really study is trying to scenario plan what are those different futures from a user perspective and what does autonomous as a technology potentially do to impact their daily lives and their mobility needs. Well, that's really interesting. I don't think I've ever heard um, a scenario where the autonomous vehicle will act kind of like a, say, driverless delivery van. And I think that's one of the scenarios you've uh, you've you've outlined. Yeah, it could, and that's I mean that's exactly the the type of thing that we kind of explore and envision is just what are those you know modes or models of that vehicle. I think right now a lot of the discussion is about you know the technology tests that are out there on the road today. So things that you see companies you know testing and working on you know can it change lanes can it stop can it go you know what you know what are the technical requirements of this um, but what we're really interested in is you know how does it how does it change why you go somewhere or when you go there you know so a lot of the reasons that we get in cars today may be fundamentally different if that technology is autonomous and so trying to unpack that and imagine that and then turn that into things we can start experimenting with or kind of studying um, even today, as the world totally hasn't changed yet, um, are ways that we can then kind of prepare and inform the company about what the future might be. 
What do you think are some of the limitations of autonomous vehicles, uh, particularly in the area of maybe security um, and risk? I mean, it's a new horizon. It's a new technology. So like any new technology, you know, that requires studying and development and prototyping and um, getting a sense of, you know, time on the road, just like any other product um, that we would test. You know, it's going through lots of testing. Um, in our work, we're really interested in um, what kinds of things it could do that, you know, today we can't imagine. Um, and those are things that are hard to necessarily prepare for. And that's where I think experimentation really becomes important and comes to life. So a lot of the work that we've been doing is in what we call living labs, which is kind of a mix of market research and kind of lean process development where we've, a we've been able to kind of put to life um, futures, like, like kind of examples of the future where, you know, 10 or 15 people will try out uh, a new product or a new service or a new software um, in kind of a limited and, and um, research-oriented way um, so that it's not like, you know, you're, you're launching something. You're, you're doing a trial and you're doing it um, in, with a small group of people that kind of understand or know what they're testing and why they're testing it. So I think, you know, for us, we're trying to kind of build what are those real-world experiments. So maybe we look at, um, like in the Scoot example, you know, if we offer a, a four-wheel quad like this, you know, how does it change people's daily commutes? You know, it's something that we can study. It's something that um, is in a space where, you know, we understand who's using it and why they're using it, um, and we can kind of recontextualize everything that we learn back to some, you know, larger business question. So what are some other innovative trends in uh, transportation? We think that there's a lot going on in the kind of system of a city. So we're really interested in how infrastructure um, and urban planning changes the shape and form of cities and then how that impacts the car itself. So even if you look at, like, something as simple as parking regulations, um, you know, parking is regulated at an architectural level. So a new building has to have a certain amount of parking spots, and those parking spots have given a certain dimension. So, you know, they have to be able to meet the normal requirements of the type of vehicle based on size. Um, and when we look at cities that are dealing with, you know, big issues of density and congestion and growth, you know, like this, the Bay Area um, is an enormous metropolitan area, you know, and servicing that um, and allowing enough people to live in the city, you know, to be able to kind of create a large, vibrant, equitable community means that urban planning is starting to make and develop different types of regulations and different types of buildings for that future. So you're starting to see in the Bay Area in particular um, initiative towards um, meeting the CO2 targets where they're building, you know, more um, higher-density apartment complexes right around the transit hub so that you could get on the train and then go to your apartment and then get to work. Um, and so those types of decisions, you know, don't seem to have a lot of impact on mobility, but could fundamentally change, you know, for example, the shape or size of a car. So if parking spot regulations change so that, you know, you could have a much smaller footprint vehicle, like the new mobility concept that we're testing with Scoot, it could change, you know, how many of those products get sold or, you know, how, how adaptive um, new types of products are to this market. So what we're interested in is also, like, the 
the form of cities and how architects and urban planners are envisioning cities may look in the future, and then trying to create products to meet that vision. Um, so they may be more walking-oriented or slow-speed-oriented or, you know, smaller footprint for parking or this whole new types of needs that are coming out of those decisions that I think, you know, we as a car company can prepare for and, and build products for in a different way than we are today. How do you deal with city regulations around your transportation innovations, and do you find that city officials are, are receptive to your ideas? We, as a group, are always looking at the future of those regulations. So what we're always interested in is, you know, how will the regulations for the future of mobility be different from today? So, you know, when we engage with cities, it's always as a stakeholder in kind of an innovation project. So it's it's one perspective on, um, you know, what may change. So um, in an example like the Scoot Networks project where we're working with, you know, a software company, a service company, the city, you know, and a car company, um, they're, they're participating as an envisioner about, like, what this future could be and what the role of regulation could play in building you know, a new type of mobility for people. So we're definitely in conversations that are about, um, you know, how we can all meet common goals. So things like making the daily commute less congested, you know, getting people from their home to work in a more seamless and frictionless way is something that I think is a goal that we share, you know, with, with urban planning departments across cities in the world. Um, another one is CO2. You know, Nissan is a big proponent of electrification, and reducing CO2 through um, the adoption of electric vehicles. That is also something that a lot of cities agree with in premise and, you know, are trying to build infrastructure for and kind of build uh, build a way for to succeed. So we really focus on how can we do that together and kind of help each other to make that future more possible and help adoption um, across cities in the world. Wonderful. So um, do you focus most of your projects, at least initially, on North America and Europe, or all over the world? So we are, Future Lab is actually a globally distributed team. So we have um, one person in the Silicon Valley, a couple of people in Los Angeles, a team in Japan, a team in Paris. Um, and the idea is to always look um, across context. So um, as we go out to do any new project, we'll do, you know, three different, study three different markets globally. Um, we'll look at, you know, a small city in Wuhan, China that may be actually very similar to a small city, you know, in Arizona <laughs> and look at, you know, how that may relate to a common need in South Africa and just basically try to kind of as often as possible find needs that either are resonant or are similar in nature um, so that we can look across global products. I think there's always going to be, you know, local examples and things that work solutions that work in one location for one reason or another. But, you know, as a large car company, we're always looking for solutions that can meet multiple market needs for maybe different reasons or different um, demographics. But um, is kind of the, the push is to see, you know, how many things can we build um, for as many markets as possible. So a lot of our testing does happen in California because we are, um, we have a the Silicon Valley-based lab, so a lot of the kind of new technology, like autonomous, is you know coming out of that office or being co-developed by that office. Um, but a lot of our research work and experimentation work is actually much broader. 
So which project is the closest to market at this point? Um, the Scoot Networks project that I'm here to talk about today is um, is in market now. I mean, so that's an experiment. It's it's exactly this weird hybrid where it's it's out there. You know, um, you can become a Scoot member and drive a new mobility concept um, by using Scoot. So Scoot is a um, scooter sharing service in the city of San Francisco that works much like a city bike share. Um, where you can go up and rent a scooter and take it from one station to another. So we've integrated the new mobility concept for Wheel Quad into their system. So you can become a Scoot member, go through a short training, and then take that product from one station to another in San Francisco and experiencing experience it today. Um, you know, th- this is the kind of thing that we like to do where it's out there in the world, we're testing it, we're learning. It's in this what we call like living lab experiment. Um, but, you know, it, it obviously isn't a full-scale business service that you see, you know, Nissan putting out in every market. So we're here to kind of test it and learn and study um, and see how it goes. So, you know, it's fun that we're in San Francisco today so we can invite people to, to join Scoot and try it out. Do you eventually plan to sell it? I, that's what we're studying. You know, it's, it's what does this look like? You know, what is the business case? Um, what does it make? You know, does it make sense for this type of market and this type of scenario? Um, that's what Future Lab is all about. And it might be too early to ask this, but at what price point? Definitely too early. <laughs> at this point, it's, it's basically um, part of a system. So you, you pay per mile. Right, so basically, when you go, you can check out a scooter at a certain price. You can check out a quad at a slightly higher price, um, and go from one station to another. And that pricing is all based on Scoot's business model, our product model. You know what makes sense um, as far as you know making those vehicles um, and bringing them here. But I think the question of you know how this would roll out to a larger market is exactly the, the type of thing that we are always trying to understand and study. Is you know what is the business case and um, does it make sense to, you know, make make more things like Scoot? Well, we can't wait to try it. Thank you very much, Megan, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.